Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda Davis. I'm Linda Davis. Before we dive into God's Word today, just a little bit about myself. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both with others as we talk about keys to abundant living. So if you haven't already, go grab a cup of coffee and join me today as I talk about being overlooked. Or should I say feeling like you've been overlooked because overlooked no more. God has this, God had that, and God will have what's in the future. And we're gonna address, I would say, the feeling of being overlooked because nobody overlooks who God wants to shine his light on. So let's dig into this just a little bit. What felt like being overlooked was really a hedging in a protection for you, a protection for me. And God says, now is the time, now is the season that I'm going to shine my light of glory upon you and cause you to stand out where you weren't even noticed before. And in those moments, it felt like an overlooking, but it was a hedging in. God will keep you where he needs you to be for your protection and for your growth. And when it's time to get up and go, He pushes you out or he calls you out, but it's always in his timing. And there's two biblical scenarios that I think of that line up with both of these things, with a pushing out or a calling out that was in God's timing. God clearly said to these two men, I'm gonna use as an example, now's the time, let's do this. And one was pushed out, and one was called out. And those two men are Elijah and David. We're gonna dig into Elijah first. I wanna go to 1 Kings chapter 17, and this is where Elijah has basically ran and hidden from Ahab. He's afraid for his life. Things are pretty rough for him here, but God provides. God says, I have a place of hiding for you, a place of protection for you. And then God sees that Elijah is very comfortable in this place. So in 1 Kings 17, it talks about Elijah and it talks about he ends up at the brook Cherith. And God talks to him about being there and he's going to provide for him there. He's gonna drink of the brook in verse four. I've commanded the ravens to feed you there which I don't want you to miss. What God uses in Elijah's time of being tucked away and even being in some fear, he was afraid for his life, God uses a raven. Now we have to understand, this is not a nice bird, right? We see them all over the highways and the streets and they're a vulture. They go after dead things. They take, they don't give. But yet God commands these ravens, these vultures, takers by nature, to give to Elijah. And if he can command the raven to provide for us in a season of hedging in, then he most certainly can use anything he wants to feed us in a season where he has us in a hedging in, and it may look like an overlooking, it may feel like that, but it's a season of protection. And maybe it's something we didn't expect. Maybe he's using the most unlikely source 
the most likely, unlikely resource to provide for us in a momentary season. Because really, being at the brook is a momentary season for Elijah. God's got too much for him. He can't stay there. He's not going to remain in that fear. He puts him in a place of rest. He provides for him. He's going to drink of the brook, and he's going to be fed by ravens, most unlikely birds. Please don't miss that point. So also don't miss what did Elijah do? He did according to the word of the Lord. God has direction for us. Even in our rough seasons, even in our seasons of feeling like we're tucked away, God still has direction for us. He ordains our steps. We plan our ways, but he dictates our steps and we obey. So verse five, Elijah did according to the word of the Lord and he dwelt by the brook Cherith east of the Jordan and the ravens obeyed, by the way. They brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and he drank of the brook. This is, this is the verse I don't want you to miss. First Kings 17, seven, after a while, the brook dried up. Even though, even though Elijah was in obedience, at some point the brook dried up. So obeying God doesn't mean the brook won't dry up. It means your time is done. When it, when it gets to a place where you're starving, Right, he had to dry the brook up. He had to make Elijah thirst for something else. And sometimes in those seasons, it gets pretty ugly for us. And we come to this place of finally being like, okay, I've obeyed you. I'm here in this place. And so I don't understand. Since I obeyed you, I came to where you told me to come, where you told me to be. But yet it's miserable. Maybe it was good momentarily. It was good in the beginning. It was great, right? It was enjoyable. It felt good. Uh, You're kind of on a high. And then God's doing and done what he did in you. And your time there is up. So he has to make it miserable enough for you to leave. So sometime later, the brook dried up. Why? Because of a drought that God had brought. And Elijah was living in obedience. He was walking in obedience. But yet the brook dried up because God needed Elijah to be in the next place. And he probably never would have left that brook had it not gotten ugly, had he not gotten thirsty, had he not gotten hungry. Powerful, very powerful right there. And this is something that's a really neat thought to ponder. And we're going to read it. We're going to get to it reading. But when Cherith dries up for us, when God dries up the brook, he has already prepared a Zarephath that's waiting on you. And that really lines up, now that I think about it, with a few of my most recent podcasts where I really saw God showing me he's gone before us, he's prepared the place that we're going to, and then he comes back and he walks with us to that place. This is what's going on here for Elijah. Like God already has a place for him that he needs him to be, a miracle waiting to happen that he needs to perform through Elijah. So he needs to get Elijah to that place. Now, Elijah doesn't know that. Elijah doesn't know what's waiting on him, but God makes things so bad at the comfortable brook that Elijah's thirsty and he's hungry and he's going to obey the next instruction that God gives him. God tells Elijah, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. And he even goes on to say, and this is in verse nine, 
Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. He's basically saying, I already have, he's telling him where to go and he's telling him, I already have arranged some stuff for you there. Like it's already waiting there on you if you will just get up and go. Now, uh, don't miss also that Elijah, Elijah had his choices here. He didn't have to get up and go. He could have stayed in that place and how terrible could that have gotten for him? He will never know. We will never know because he got up and went. And even it wasn't a small journey for Elijah to get up and go. He rose in verse 10, he obeys. So he arose and went to Zarephath. Okay, Zarephath was a hundred miles away from where Elijah was. So he he walks, it's not like us jumping in our car and driving down the road a hundred miles. We would probably even think driving a hundred miles was a lot to ask. But Elijah's gonna walk this hundred miles, which I don't even know how long that would take. So even when we've been in the place and the brook dries up and God's pushing us out, he's really almost brought us to the place of giving us no other choice. There's still a journey to get to where he has prepared for us. We still got to walk a hundred miles in the hot sun, in the dirt, because that's what Elijah did. Nothing's easy, but there is overflow and there is blessing and there is God's glory when we walk in obedience. But I think we expect some things to be easy and they are just not going to be easy. But this is the most amazing thing. Elijah is going to be a vessel for a miracle in Zarephath. He's going to answer somebody else's prayer. So our brook drying up, even that time of us being hidden in that place, and then our brook drying up and God pushing us out, it's for somebody else's miracle. It's God saying, I need you to be so refined that you're willing to walk a hundred miles in equivalent to the Texas heat, just out of obedience, will you do that for me to provide a miracle in the new place for someone else? What do we bring into the new place? What do we carry into the new place? What miracle do we have for that person that's gonna be waiting for us in our Zarephath that we're gonna change their whole world? We're gonna renew their life. There's always purpose in our brook drying up, right? If you're familiar with the story, of course, Elijah is going to come to a widow that has a significant need. She's basically getting ready for her and her son to die. That's powerful. Verse 10, he arises and he goes. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her, bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And don't miss, she's in a majorly desperate place. And yet God's putting a demand on her to obey too. I mean, like this woman is gathering sticks. She's down to her last bit of flour and oil, right? She's gonna make a fire. She's gonna bake the last bit of bread she has and her and her son are gonna eat and die. And now God puts a demand on her for obedience. And basically the man of God shows up and tells her, you get me a little water that I can have a drink. Oh, by the way, bring me some bread too. I mean, this woman doesn't have anything. Her and her son are about to die. And amazingly, she obeys the direction of the prophet. Powerful. 
so powerful to me. And she responds, as the Lord your God lives, I have not a loaf baked, but only a handful of meal in the jar and a little oil in the bottle. See, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and bake it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah, by the way, who has just come out of a season of God completely providing for him through the ravens, through the unlikely source, that he responds to her, fear not, because he knows that he knows God has brought him to her. So he's done that with purpose. Fear not, go and do as you have said, but make a little cake of it first and bring it to me. And afterward, prepare some for yourself and your son. And the word of the Lord comes forth too. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the jar of meal shall not waste away or the bottle of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. Again, we're in another situation where it doesn't make sense, but do it. It doesn't make sense, but do it. I mean, can can we say that over and over? It doesn't make sense, but do it. It didn't make sense that the ravens would be the ones to feed Elijah, but they were. Now, it doesn't make sense for this widow to first make a cake for some guy, basically, that shows up and says, hey, I'm thirsty and hungry. Doesn't make sense, but this is the word of the Lord. Will you do it? Will you be in obedience? Verse 15, she did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not spent, nor did the bottle of oil fail, according to the word which the Lord spoke through Elijah. Powerful, so powerful. The widow obeyed and the miracle happened. And I'll say this too, Elijah was the first step of obedience by leaving the brook. And I mean, God is not done blessing this woman who actually, I'm sure she was feeling very overlooked too, but God had provision for her. God had a miracle coming that just had not shown up yet. And how did it end up being birthed out and produced by two different people's obedience, Elijah's obedience, and then also the widow's obedience? Because then now her son actually gets very sick down in verse 17. The son of the woman, the mistress of the house became sick and his sickness was so severe that was no breath left in him. And now she's getting upset and we've all done this. And she's like, what have you done, man of God? I don't understand. You've come to me and you call my sin to remembrance and you slay my son, right? She's thinking this is punishment. She's moved in all this obedience. She doesn't understand what's going on. And he's like, give me your son. And he took him from her bosom and carried him up in the chamber where he stayed and laid him upon his own bed and cried out to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God, have you brought further calamity upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God, I pray you, let this child's soul come back into him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And of course, he took the child down, brought him down out of the chamber to the mother, gives him to the mother, and see your son is alive. And the woman says, by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. So powerful. And this was such an encouragement to Elijah He needed this to happen. And God knew he needed this to happen. He was hiding 
in the cave, which led him to the brook in fear for his life. God provided for him in the brook, but then there was time for that brook to dry up and him to go to Zarephath because a widow needed him, because she had needs, because she was feeling overlooked by man, I'm sure, and by God, right? And God provides for her there with food. And then supernatural life brings life back to her son through Elijah, who he's got to be a little pumped now. He's got to be feeling like God sees me, God uses me, his spiritual strength is rising back up in him, and he's going to need this because he's about to be sent to Ahab. He's about to have to go and tell Ahab the rain's coming now, but now he's ready. Now he's strengthened in the Lord. He feels the purpose and it came through some tough times, but he endured in those times and he walked in obedience and he heard the voice of the Lord. He stepped when God said step. He even stopped and sat when God said stop and sit. He allowed himself to be hedged in and then he went forth in all God had for him to do. In the beginning of the podcast today, I said that we were gonna talk about Elijah and David And I'm going to talk about David in next week's podcast. So be sure to tune into that next week. And I just want you to remember, if you're feeling overlooked, no more. It was a time of preparation for you. And now God needs you to obey, to go to that next place. He's already prepared for you. He's calling you out. He's pushing you out. And he's bringing you to that new place. But also the requirement on you will be you need to step in obedience. And as you step in obedience, God is going to shine his light of glory upon you and cause you to stand out and cause his power and his glory to flow through you and bring to other people what they need brought to him, them. So tune in next week and hear about, so he pushes Elijah out. He calls David out. Tune in next week.